We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Riverland Roofing. I'm Neil McCready. That, of course, is MPW digital football expert Pete DeWeese back to get us ready for the one that we've been talking about for a while now, Alabama and Ole Miss in Tuscaloosa. It's the 15th ranked Rebels, the 13th ranked Crimson Tide, 230 uh, Central Daylight Time on Saturday. The game, of course, at Bryant-Denny Stadium will be televised on CBS. We're going to dive into that. Uh, a good bit. We're going to look at back at uh, Pete's going to look back at Ole Miss Georgia Tech a little bit and then get you uh, a primer on Alabama quarterback Jalen Milrow, who will start against Ole Miss, according to Nick Saban, both on Monday and again on Wednesday on the SEC teleconference. Saban uh, doubling down on Milrow being the guy for the Crimson Tide. So we'll talk about all of that in just a minute. We'll get to Pete in a second as well. First, I want to ask you, would you like some peace of mind knowing that your roof is taken care of? Whether you need an inspection, a new roof, or a maintenance program, Riverland Roofing has you covered home or business. As a GAF Master Elite Contractor, they can offer warranties that last a lifetime. Licensed and insured, Riverland Services, Mississippi, and its surrounding states. So text or call Riverland today at 662-644-4297. Mr. Deweese, how are you, sir? Good, good. Glad to uh, glad to be here talking ball. This looks like it's got a chance to be a good game, and uh, it's kind of been fun prepping for this one. Oh, good. Yes, it's, it's, it's got a chance to be a good game. It's got a certainty of being a big game. Uh, I, I think this is... I think it's the biggest game Ole Miss has played since the LSU game last year, and I think it's arguably the biggest game that Lane Kiffin has coached at Ole Miss. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I'd have to sit down and really look at a schedule to to, yeah. to try to rank them, but for it to be early in the season and a season where we still have so many questions about so many teams, it feels very heavy, you know. Yeah, I guess I should um, clarify, right? I, I, I think, I think that if Ole Miss wins, there's a path to Atlanta. There's, there's a clear path. Um, I mean, LSU's a big giant tiger in the middle of the path, but it's, it's, it's a path. If they, if they lose to Alabama, given the fact that they still have to face the aforementioned tiger and they still have Georgia down the road, that path gets really difficult. It, it gets difficult to navigate. You got to have a lot of outside help and then you can't stumble at all. 
against uh, A&M or an Arkansas or, or Mississippi State or whatever. And there's no guarantee that that doesn't happen. We've covered that ground too. So to get off to the start that you want to prevent, you know, the LSU game from becoming a backbreaker on September the 30th, this is it's a big game and it's a chance to get over that hump. And Kiffin's talked a lot this week on Twitter. He's backed off in real life, but on Twitter, he's talked a lot. And so he's sort of dropped the gauntlet, I think, a little bit. And so a win's big and a loss kind of lets people go, eh, they, they, there's, there's just a lot of talk there. Yeah, in, in a lot of ways, it feels like the LSU game last year to me. And so it's funny that you say that because that was kind of the one, right? Well, going into the, that game, people felt good about it. Ole Miss obviously didn't play well, didn't win the game. And it was it felt like such a blow. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as the season got into the back half, everybody kind of knows how that played out. So I, I, I think, you know, this one, who knows if it becomes a blow, if Ole Miss doesn't play well. Um, but it certainly has a chance, you know, it, it certainly has a chance to, I think, propel some momentum going forward. Yeah. Obviously, you, you get a couple of tough ones in a row. Um, or within a short stretch anyway, and you got to handle business in both of them. But it, it uh, you know, it, it should be a good matchup. Um, you know, we're, we're going to see, I think, it'll, you know, last time Ole Miss played there, obviously was, you know, there, there was not a lot of popcorn on the Ole Miss sideline. They had it ready and, and, and it didn't get eaten. Um, didn't and I, I think, uh, so it's interesting to kind of see the comments from Kiffin again this week. Um, knowing all of that. So I don't know, maybe there's just a confidence in the room. Maybe they feel like they're going to get a couple guys back. I don't know what that looks like, but, um, you know, I'm curious to see how it plays out. That's for sure. All right. Well, the floor is yours. Take it away, my friend. So we're kind of going to go back and look at, um, look at some Ole Miss offense versus, versus Georgia tech. And there's, probably some things that could be said about the Ole Miss defense. They were good at times. They were not great at times. I thought they were actually pretty good on first and second down. There were some times in the game where on third down, I didn't think that they were great defensively. And I do think some of it, I think Georgia Tech, to their credit, had a great plan offensively. I think Buster called a great game. I think they did some things maybe different than than what Ole Miss was expecting. And the other thing I did was I, or that I think they did was they, um, they, they caught some, some personnel packages and some different things. You know, Ole Miss would sub into one of their rush looks and they're playing with three down linemen and, and they've got skill bodies all over the field. And Georgia Tech comes out, and runs the football and kind of surprises them a little bit. So there were some things there. I definitely think there were some things where Ole Miss probably wasn't overly pleased with communication defensively. Um, particularly on some of the quarterback read stuff, um, quarterback run game, but uh, but I they, they weren't they weren't bad by any means, um, you know offensively, uh, Ole Miss put an emphasis on trying to come out and run the football better after you know what had really been two kind of average showings, um, and you know in this is going to sound funny. Jackson Dart had a lot of yards. Statistically, Ole Miss ran for more yards. They still were not great running the football. In a lot of their base inside run game, they weren't great. I think they were better 
I don't think Georgia Tech had as good of a defensive line as Tulane did. Um, and so I just I kind of wanted to look at some of those things. And then there's a couple other things I figured I would um kind of go ahead and and look at and talk about while we're here. So we're just gonna start off some couple things from early in the game, couple things from later in the game. Um just you know, some things that I I thought I'd kind of kind of point out to everybody and and maybe kind of look at. I, I think this is kind of funny to me. This is the first offensive play of the game for Ole Miss. And I I actually kind of mentioned this um after the Tulane game about how Ole Miss has really started with the same type of scheme in each of the first two games. They started with a boundary flood concept. And in one they got in a stack formation and they ran a, a sail concept into the to the right side of the offense into the short side of the field. Game two, they basically did the same thing by bringing a crosser from the back side of the formation. Ole Miss starts game three the the exact same. I mean, is it the exact same scheme? No, but they are getting to the same principles. They are doing the same thing. They are flooding the defense with a flat player an intermediate out route, and if this route had been able to stay on his feet, would have been a deep, clear out route. And they're creating those levels in the defense. So I, that's just one of those little things that, to me, I, I find fascinating because they have chosen to start each game like that, right? So I'm curious to see, you know, is is this just – is it something about getting Dart comfortable, getting him in a read that he likes – is it something about um, – is it something just to do with uh, something they've seen schematically? You know, I'm curious. And I'm curious to see moving forward, is it something that Ole Miss uh, tries tries to build off on? So, you know, you can see play one from last week. It's acting a little weird on me. Um, but play one from last week, Ole Miss motions into a bunch set, and they build the flood by taking the outside receiver on the deep out route. Against Mercer, it was uh, coming from the inside guy. Against uh, Tulane, it came from the opposite side of the field. The flat is open. Dark check takes the flat. And, you know, Ole Miss again, three games in a row, they have started the game with an explosive play offensively and been able to get into their offense uh, pretty quickly. You know, Tulane, uh, you know, obviously showed a lot of movement against Ole Miss, a lot of pressure. Um, Tech was not going to come out and be static. Um, they they came out and brought different looks as well. They uh, they had backers insert late, which is something that we saw from Tulane. They had defensive linemen twist. And you get it right here, first play of the game, they clearly saw on film what they thought would hurt Ole Miss, and they came out to attack it from the jump. And it's not the cleanest protection, but Dart was able to kind of step up in the pocket. Okay couple plays later, uh, one of the comments that, that Kiffin made uh, following the Tulane game and leading into the Georgia Tech game, he talked about how offensively they should have probably run more gap scheme, right? Zone schemes, you've got guys working together in combos and everybody's responsible for a zone, where in gap schemes, you're interchanging bodies to create new gaps, okay? Um, some teams are very – heavy on zone schemes, sometimes very heavy on gap schemes. A lot of teams live somewhere in the middle. And Ole Miss in the past has been uh, – they use a lot of their gap scheme for their quarterback run game and quarterback reads in particular where they're running some type of a, a read on the defensive end. 
Um, they don't necessarily do a ton of interior gap schemes with their backs, but they came out in early in this game um, and they get into a gap scheme pretty early. And I'm actually going to go to the end zone view of this, but you know, for, for guys that may have grown up playing football, um, whether it was the nineties or the eighties and going all the way back quite a while, old school wing T buck sweep um, looked a lot different when, when you were playing at small podunk high school or not so small, not as podunk high school. And you, you know, your coach was wearing the short shorts and the tight shirt and had the yep. dip in. It, <laughs> this looks a little different. You're not under center. They're not a fullback right behind you. Right. But they're essentially getting to the same principles. They're going to take the tight end. He gets a great block on tech's defensive end here. They're going to block down with the tackle and they're actually going to pull in this scenario the center, I believe, and the backside guard. They're also going to take the running back, and they're going to lead with him. So they are now creating extra gaps. If you were to build the wall right here, when you add the running back and the two pullers, you're essentially creating three extra gaps post-snap that that forced the the defense to fit. So it was a nifty way for them to get into the run game and get the ball out of the middle. They saw so much against Tulane where we saw guys crossing face inside as defensive linemen or backers blitzing into a gap or looping from the outside in. So they they wanted to come out early I think and set the tone to to get on the edge, okay? And and right here they do a great job again. You watch 88 uh right here on the defensive end. He does a great job, lifts, gets some gets some separation. It's okay if that guy's in the backfield a little bit as long as you're washing him down. They get that. Their pullers get out in front, turn. And, if you know, Jug, if Judkins can get to the corner there, it may have even had a, a chance at a big play, but he's having to sort through the traffic. Dart sees it, is able to turn it up. And so you're early in the game. You're you're showing a new wrinkle, something you haven't necessarily done this season, and you're getting the ball outside of a gap and on the perimeter um, to to one of your good athletes. So I thought that was an interesting way to start. Now we we've talked a good bit about the tight end position at Ole Miss, what it looks like from a depth standpoint, and and kind of where Ole Miss needs to get better. So this is another example of of a gap scheme, and they're they're going to run counter. Okay. They're going to run, they're going to pull a guard and they're going to pull trig here. All right. So what they're essentially doing is they are going to block down. And because of the front, you have to do what's called choke the center. You have to take him all the way back versus this tight front because there's, you know, you make it difficult on this tackle to cut off this end and you can't account for this, this outside linebacker off the edge. So what you're going to do is you're going to choke or swipe the center back so he's responsible for anything A to B gap, and then you're going to slam the inside gap with the tackle, and then he's going to peel back or hinge backwards so that if you get this extra rusher off the edge, in theory, you're protected weak. So because you're a spread offense, you're not playing with a true tight end or fullback or anything, and we're not used to seeing that these days, what that means is, I can account for him. I can account for him. I'm good here. I'm good here. 
when the guard pulls what you expect to happen versus this front, the reason they bring in the motion is if there is a defender outside, you need that defender to either be forced to take the motion or delay his inside fit. Because what you want to happen right here is number four to scrape and end up on your guard. In pre-snap, if they're in a different front, number four would actually be Trigg's responsibility. But here, because of this scrape, because of the front they're in, playing these two four eyes with the head-up nose, what really should happen here is as four scrapes and ends up being the guy that gets kicked out and Trigg comes around, he should actually have eyes backside for 13, okay? And you'll see right here on this run, they've got everybody sorted for right now. Trigg has to get vertical. And if he gets vertical, and so he's reading the block of the tackle there, or of the guard, rather. So as this guard pulls, if he sees his numbers out, then he should fit inside, if he feels like the, the hip turns around and the numbers disappear, then Trigg's going to scrape over the top to the outside. Okay, here the guard kicks out. If zero turns up right here and gets a hat on 13, the motion has affected this deep safety, and you can see the ball spits right there. Oh, yeah. So when we, when we talk about the importance of that tight end in this offense and how much it can give them in the run game – this is just a very basic example of what is a minimal gain by Ole Miss. I mean, I think you're looking at a, a, a four or five yard gain at most here, six yards that would have absolutely been an explosive play in your one guy away. And right now that guy is the position that, that, that you've been missing from a health standpoint. And that's a play he should be able to make, right? That's it, it, it's it's one, yeah, you know, and and it's it's one that you you want him to make. His eyes, you can see. I mean, it looks to me, his eyes are on number four. He's thinking I've got four because he's expecting the guard to have to kick out somebody else. So he's fully tracking for four. Well, now he realizes, oh crap! So he tries to get to the next guy five, and he doesn't realize, right? If if the defensive structure was different, so let me explain this. If either of these ends had been outside of the tackle, the blocking scheme changes. If the end here to the right of the offense, the left of your screen is outside, he would have blocked down and ended up most likely on number 13. If this defensive end to the left of the offense, the right of the screen, had been outside the tackle, now there's no need for the center to choke all the way back. So instead of swiping back to this end, the center and the guard would have comboed to 13 and Trigg would have ended up most likely on number four. But because the way the front plays out, the fit changes for the defense, but so does the blocking rules for the offense. And you just, you have to be dialed in on, on what all of that looks like. Okay. Now, these next three plays, for a lack of a better word, I'm I'm going to be well. I want to show the 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 the, the touchdown uh, drop actually here, and I, I don't I don't like feeling like I'm picking on zero here, but I, I do want to show because the design is nice. Okay, 
Um, it, it, this is a concept that, that you see other teams run versions of. Um, it, it's actually a concept that we've, we've scored on this season. Um, very similar to this. Okay. What Ole Miss is going to do here is they're going to push the back out in motion. And what they're trying to do is either get the corner to expand or to get one of these inside defenders to expand. Okay. And unless the back is just naked and uncovered, it's really not where the ball is trying to go. Okay. They are going to take Trig. He's going to run at the corner and then he is going to work to the back of the end zone on a post route. They're going to take 11. He's going to go run what's called an OTB. He's going to go try to own the space between those two linebackers and settle down over the ball. If it were zone, he'd be expecting to get it. They're going to bring the third guy here. He's going to come between one and two. He's going to push vertical, and then he's going to run this little stop route or sit route right here. The idea being, if it's man-to-man, the outside release of Trig should give him an, a chance to win inside versus versus the outside leveraged corner. And if it's zone, you're now working to high-low whoever is on this sit route. If he drives the sit route, the post is open behind him. If he carries the post, the sit route has a chance to now be open underneath. And so you can see, and I'm going to skip to the end zone real quickly, you can see exactly how it plays out. They get, let's see here. They get the motion going. The defense adjusts with a linebacker. Okay, right there, boom. He realizes it's man-to-man coverage. He's hugging him. He's hugged by a defender. Look at the window you've created between the two. That's exactly where the ball is going to go. Dart would like to probably have this one back and get it down just a little bit. It's slightly behind Trig. He still, that's a catch that, that you expect him to make. But they did exactly what they wanted to do. They divided the defense. They cleared out the underneath coverage. They expected man-to-man. They got man-to-man. And they vacated that window for him to drive the ball. The timing is perfect. It's just barely behind. And you want to be able to make that play and finish it, finish that thing in the end zone. Um, the kind of last three things I want to look at from the Ole Miss game, admittedly, are me being petty. Okay. Um, so th- there was a good bit of discussion after the Tulane game on the message board. Um, where people were talking about, you know, Ole Miss, they, they never throw routes over the middle. They they don't have curl routes. They don't have dig routes. Statistically, in the last 10 years of football, the dig route is the most intercepted play in football. Jackson Dart threw an interception against Georgia Tech. What route was he throwing? He was throwing a dig route. I guess it was a dig route. Right? A lot of modern defensive structure – works hard to guard those windows. So what what you may think of and what we used to see is these 10-yard button hooks and those things, the structure of defense doesn't allow those as much as it used to in a lot of schemes. There's ways you can still attack that space, but so much happens now by clearing a guy vertical, bringing a guy underneath, and finding that intermediate behind them. So these are three consecutive plays by the Ole Miss offense, okay? The first one they're going to run right here, it, it's, again, it's it's an extremely common scheme right here, okay? 
they're, they, they find an interesting way to get to it. So this is called dagger. Okay. What they're going to do right here, they've got three receivers in a, a kind of a, a loose bunch and they're going to take the middle receiver and his sole job is to flush the coverage. He is trying to take the, take any safety or deep secondary player on this side of the field and flush them, drain them out of the concept. If for some reason it opens up, you're in the progression, the quarterback's going to hit you for a big shot. But truthfully, what they're now trying to do is they are going to take one receiver, they are going to bring him behind, and he is then going to go work the intermediate dig here, while another receiver works to now go grab this linebacker and try to pull him out and separate the defense in that manner. Okay. You can see here, Ole Miss does exactly what they want. There's Heath. He's pulling the linebacker right there. They have flushed the safeties. Here comes the dig route. Okay. Judkins is coming to run a check down. So right now, there is one guy that can affect this throw and it's this linebacker in the middle of the field. With a little bit of time, if he comes down on the back, you've opened up this void to be able to drive the dig. If he feels like the backer is deep, he's going to work the underneath to the running back right here on his check down. Here, he takes the running back, and I'd be willing to bet that Lane told him in the film room or Char Weiss or whoever that he probably got there a little bit early. Because you can see the dig route is coming open right over the middle of the field. You're talking 12, 13 yards downfield. It's not some big, deep post route. They are trying to work the intermediate of the field right there, and he gets to his check down very early. If you look at it from the end zone. That's where you wonder if that's Jackson reacting to the previous games where there was a lot of pressure and not a lot of time. It, it You know, there's a clock in your head. For sure. And this is a scenario, you know, Tech's not bringing pressure right here. They bring a three-man rush. The pocket's clean. He feels like this backer's getting depth. So what does he do? He takes his check down. And you see the dig is just a little late getting into that window probably. And he doesn't feel comfortable, so he takes his check down, tries to let his athlete go be a playmaker. So very next play. Ole Miss comes back. Okay. Again, we don't throw curl routes. We don't throw dig routes. Ole Miss doesn't work the middle of the field. Okay. We can, you know, I'm not going to argue with you if you say Ole Miss doesn't really throw running back screens because it's not something, you know, we, we, we've seen. But if you watch what happens here, Ole Miss is literally running two curl routes on the same side of the field and it's freezing up on me, but they come out with two receivers to the right, two receivers to the left. And both receivers to the left run curl routes. And as a result, you can see, and we'll go straight to the end zone, maybe get a better picture, but you can see the linebacker drops right underneath that intermediate curl. And there's nothing to clear it out. And there's the almost interception right in that window. It's a good play by the backer. But you see how quickly those windows close because so much of what we're seeing from modern defenses is built to really protect that part of the field and to funnel the ball to, to different areas. Okay. So here is very next play.
Ole Miss is going to come out and they're going to come back to again another route. You know, I, I kind of laughed well, even watching the game live. I was like, uh, oh, maybe Lane was reading the board and saw people complaining about not throwing over the middle because here they are three plays in a row trying to attack it. So they come out here. Now they get into a three-by-one set, all right? And they were, again, they're going to try to work this dig route over the middle. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Play starts, ball gets snapped, okay? This is very similar to what they were doing in the previous, the first one I showed you two plays ago. But now instead of having a player on the inside to clear things out, they've eliminated that. So they're going to try to go grab the backer here with 88. They're going to try to push to the dig here with the slot receiver. And they're just trying to work the high-low on that intermediate defender. There's the ball, and they complete this one. So they, you know, they almost get one picked off. They take a check down on one, and here you've got a curl to the backside from the single receiver. You've got the dig coming here from the three-receiver side, and they work the curl over the middle for like a 12-yard gain. So, you know, my point is this. I I think people sometimes get caught up in what they see or what they think see because so often what we see, and not just everybody, me included, what what we see is what gets completed. It's what gets missed. That, that that doesn't mean that other things aren't present in the system. I mean, Ole Miss certainly has the ability to attack every part of the field, and and they're going to have to, um, I, I think, on Saturday. So shifting the focus, going from one offense, getting into another. Um, I watch some of Alabama's defense. Um, I I do not, cannot pretend to tell you enough about. T. Rob or Kevin Steele, I've, I've, I know who both of them are. I've, I've met both of them before. I don't know them well at all. Um, but I couldn't pretend to tell you that I watched the game and saw a difference between the two. I'm not going to lie about that. Okay. Um, so, but I thought it was interesting. One that Kiffin made that statement publicly, for sure. Uh, and but two that that you know that they caught it. 
um, certainly makes you think that if he's saying it, that there is something to it. So what I wanted to do was kind of focus on, um, on some, some plays. And I actually started on the wrong one here, focus on some plays from the Texas game. Um, because it's the quarterback that Ole Miss anticipates that they will see on Saturday and just kind of give some overall thoughts about, about certain things. You know, one of the things that I, as I watched and I watched every offensive snap of this game in the last couple of days, he missed some throws. He made some not great decisions, but it's not like he was awful. And, and so Saban's decision to bench him against USF, I think is interesting. And 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 I think some of the quotes and things that I've read this week she talked about, you know, it was the leadership they needed to see when he was on the sidelines at USF. Maybe that's what all this is about. Maybe I, I don't know. He does things in this game that are very promising for a guy that hasn't started a ton of football games at this level. There are things about him that if you're Ole Miss, you have to be very conscious of. Um, his legs have obviously been talked about, but there, there's some other things. You know, this is – this is early in the game. Um, they're, you know, I think four snaps is like maybe I think they're it's either their fourth or fifth snap of offense, and they're coming out, and they have confidence in him to throw the ball down the football field. They are not afraid to take shots to try to loosen up the defense. Um, and, you know, obviously everybody knows what he can do with your with his legs. And so for Ole Miss, to me, there's going to have to be a, ma- a mix of – how much can we play man to man on the outside to to keep the box um and, and heavy against the run because Alabama's certainly gonna try to run the football? How much do we pressure and worry about this, about you know, Milro getting out of the pocket and and going to make plays? Um and and you know, I've even there's I've seen some guys talk about, you know, putting a spy on him. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. Because when you say, okay, we're going to take one player, we're going to commit him to being a spy on the quarterback, you're not playing defense with 11 anymore. Yeah, it changes all the principles, right? Changes all of your math and everything. You're playing with with 10. And there's times where the 11th player becomes part of the scheme, right? But but essentially, you're, you're playing man down. So, yeah, it absolutely changes some things about the thing. That doesn't mean that there's not a place for it. It doesn't mean that Ole Miss isn't going to try to do it. But to to live in that world can be very expensive uh, defensively, especially when it is a team that, you know, Alabama, that they don't play one brand of football. They're two tights. They're one tight. They're, they're empty. They're in and out all the time. There's read game. There's power game. There's shot plays. There's a lot going on. And for you to commit to, okay, hey, I'm going to take this one guy. I'm going to spy him the whole game. When there's enough variation of the offense, that really can put a strain on your communication. Okay, there's other things and, you can and do. This defense, right? The, the Golding defense. Not to interrupt you, but just a quick no. thing that I've heard from people: the Golding defense requires a lot of communication, linebackers, back end. Absolutely. So you've worked spring, summer, three games on that communication based on eleven. And when you put a guy as a spy, it does change some of the stuff. And you're at a place where it's loud. You're playing an athletic team, a talented team. I mean, they've got a bunch of good players. The, I think it's a lot to and, – and then you and you say, hey, that freshman's going to be Suntarine Perkins. That's that's You're asking a lot. I mean, it's not – I'm not saying it won't work, but you, you, are, you are putting a lot on his, on his plate. 
Well, the other piece is this. Fans get frustrated when a defense rushes three and doesn't get pressure, and they feel like a guy's got all day to throw the football. If you're playing a spy, you're probably rushing three. And Ole Miss is not proven to be dynamic in pass rush. They just don't have that one guy that is consistently wreaking havoc. And so how much do you trust your secondary to let those guys just sit there forever and and let him sit in the pocket while you're playing with the spy, you know? So that there's a lot of different things that go into what does that thought process look like? I do think Ole Miss is going to be able to pressure him. It's going to be about how well do they contain him when they do choose to pressure, okay? So going to show this one. This is two plays later. Again, same drive early in the game. This is just an, an example of poor decision-making here by Milrow, okay? Um, Alabama is going to uh, you know, get, get in a pretty balanced set. It's a three-by-one set with the tight end. They do run the ball a decent amount from this formation. They're going to push the outside receiver vertical. The second receiver is going to push on an out route into a wheel. And the third receiver is going to run this out route. So they are trying to give him an easy read. Read the flat defender. Okay. Here's 23. If 23 turns and takes this out route, throw the stick right here to your third guy. Okay. What happens here is he, he gets baited. If you watch, 23 opens hips, collisions, but eyes immediately get back inside. Oh. Milrow thinks that that guy's expanding to the flat. There he is falling back underneath that the out route, the stick route, and going the other way with the football. So he has arm talent. There are times in this game, I mean, he really pushes the ball into some spots and, and does some good things. But here you see – the intermediate stuff is where he missed to me in this game. He People are going to miss deep balls, period. It's going to happen. They're not high percentage throws. He missed some intermediate throws, this being an example of one where he just doesn't see it, and it cost him big. So there are some opportunities, I think, for Ole Miss, um, you know, to, to if they can play some games in coverage – give him some different looks. I do think there's opportunity to potentially confuse him, okay? This is where they don't live as an offense, but they do enough of it. Ole Miss is going to have to be better compared to how they played it, you know, the other night. And so I don't have the coach's film of Ole Miss's defense from Tech. I just have the offensive film. So there were a couple of times during the game the other night and and I again I've seen this reference on social media on the message board where so they're running zone read. So the whole low line here is blocking to the right. And what was happening the other night at Georgia Tech is the running back is taking his path, whether it be inside zone, mid zone, stretch, whatever. And the end is, as people like to say, was crashing down the line. He's got to stay home. Well, if the end is crashing down the line, that probably means it's not his job probably means that somebody like this linebacker is probably supposed to scrape over the top and end up being the quarterback player. Well, there was a particular snap in my head from the other night against Georgia Tech where they showed the replay and they showed the end zone copy and the end squeezed. He did what he was supposed to do. He took the dive and the backer is frozen with eyes inside 
takes one false step, and it's all that they needed to get up to him. And when the quarterback kept it around the edge, there's nobody there until the secondary support could get there, and it was a converted uh, converted first down at that point. Alabama is going to find 10 different ways at minimum to get into zone read situations, sometimes with an RPO, sometimes not. This is an example. Okay, They put a tight end to the field as well as two additional receivers. So they are saying from a run structure standpoint, we gave you an extra gap to our right. From a coverage structure standpoint, we've given you three receivers to the right. The anticipation is maybe they roll the coverage or stress the front to the uh, to the strength of the formation. So now they read the backside end. I would guess this defensive end, maybe he's supposed to play surf, which is the technique you see right here, where he starts to squeeze, gets back square, and slows down to surf and try to play them both. But now they're having to get the safety to come from depth and now go fit, and Milrow makes him miss and turns it into an 11, 12-yard gain on a very simple, easy read for him, okay? Because he is hard to tackle in space. He is dynamic as a runner. You're man-to-man on the receiver down here at the bottom, so it's hard to ask that corner to come off and make that play. And if that safety misses right there or the DN or the linebacker, if one of those guys misplays it, Milrow will dice you in a heartbeat and go turn it into a first down. So Ole Miss is going to have to do a great job handling all these different zone read looks. Okay, I'm going to give you another one here. Okay, same same, same game, obviously, a little bit later. All right, now they come out. They have one tight end to the right of the offense with nobody else out there. We call that a nub side. Okay, no receivers up top, just a tight end. To the left side, they have two receivers flexed out, and they have their second tight end as a slot player right next to the tackle on that side. So, again, okay, are you, as a defense, are you going to call your strength to the nub tight end for your front because we've created an on-the-ball gap, or are you going to call your strength to the three-receiver side? Okay, your coverage strength has to rotate to this three-receiver side. So what they're going to do, what Alabama is going to do here is they're going to run zone read away from that nub tight end. So the whole offensive line is blocking left here, okay? And that tight end is going to arc release to the overhang defender, in this case, the corner. If that D end plays this wrong, if they have not communicated who's the force, who's the dive player, who's the quarterback player, if that D end were to squeeze this, Milrow would be on the edge with the lead blocker and a whole lot of grass and a place to go. So these are some of these little things. I'm going to go to the end zone here where Ole Miss is just, you have to do a great job versus every offensive formation understanding, especially when the back is to your side. What is my responsibility? What is my responsibility? Because those two guys, they have to work hand in hand. And if not those two, it means that this third guy now is part of that fit, and they have to be on the same page entirely. You can see here the DN88. He slow plays it. He's the quarterback player. Okay. Zero backdoors it. They probably want him to fit here. 
Okay, but they sling the fit. He's back door here. 41 is reading the back as the back declares, 41 declares. But the thing that Ole Miss is going to have to do, okay, and I've seen some talk about the Alabama offensive line this year. All right, what Ole Miss is going to have to do is what 90 does right here for Texas. He controls the double team and does not let them get up to the backer. If he allows either, if he allows that combo to get him vertical and put him in the feet of that backer, it's a tough situation for the defense. Or if he allows one of them to take him over and he allows the other to climb to the backer, the offense wins the rep. And this ball is about to spit for a positive gain. What you see here is 90 puts hands on the guard and fills the center. He's throwing his hip into the center. He is doing that to try and prevent that combo from being able to combo up and leave and work to the backer. Ole Miss is going to have to do a great job on the interior of controlling those double teams. Okay. Moving on a little bit later in the same game, just looking at my notes here. Okay. This is what scares me the most about Milrow. His ability to extend plays, not just as a runner, but I am in, I was impressed with his demeanor when he escapes and starts to move around in the pocket. He is not trying to be a run-first player, even though there are probably times where they want him to be. He does a great job right here, stepping up in the pocket, feeling the pressure, slides away from the pressure, and immediately he knows where his checkdowns are. He knows where his easy throws are going to be, and he makes an accurate throw on the run. You know, you watch it from the end zone. There's there's no rush in what he's doing. He's in his drop. That's his read. He's going to throw his check down right now. He understands where he thinks this should go, and he feels it collapse. So I don't panic. I gather myself. I protect the ball. There's the easy throw. Downfield and what, you know, what Texas probably is thinking looks like a good situation for them suddenly just turned into a big first down puts them down in the red zone. Okay, so now we're three plays later. Okay, um, same similar situation right here. Okay, in the red zone, here comes the pressure. He feels the pressure. He's athletic enough to get away from it. If you don't contain the pocket, he will kill you. But right here, it's not the best throw ever, but he never loses sight of what the action is downfield, and he is able to get this ball out and it's a tip ball that ends up being a touchdown for Alabama. But if you look at it, I mean, if this ball is six inches higher, it, it's an elite, perfect play. Okay, if it's six inches lower, it's an interception, and we're judging his decision-making. But as soon as he's outside of this pocket here, and he feels like he's cleared the defense, he's not panicking. He knows he can run, but he's scanning the field. He's keeping eyes downfield. And if you're not disciplined in, if you're not disciplined in your rush lanes, he's getting out of the pocket, he's going to beat you. If you're not disciplined on the back end and coverage in the scramble drill, you can find yourself in trouble because he will keep eyes downfield. He will find open guys. I think he does a really nice job of it. And this is the last one I want to show you because, you know, I kind of said in the beginning, they are comfortable taking shots with him. He has a big arm to push it down the field. So here's another example. They took several in this game. Okay, again, not affected by the pressure. They're trying to get him on a little half roll here, okay, trying to to just move the pocket ever so slightly to let him set his feet. 
He gets pressure upfield. He feels that pressure, steps up underneath it, reclaims his footwork, gets back on platform, and they've got the double move being worked by the slot right here. And, I mean, it, it it's a dime, an absolute dime. They found a safety matched up in one-on-one coverage, and they're still Alabama, and they're still talent on the field. So um, I, I get it. You know, people haven't been blown away necessarily by this Alabama team, and you watch the South Alabama perform, or South Florida performance, and I get it. Um, you look at the score of this game. We don't know how good Texas is, but I think they're a good football team. We know too. they recruit well. And it was a um, fourth quarter game. It got it, it got away, but it was a fourth quarter game, and I think Alabama led going into the fourth quarter. I mean, it was. It's. I'm not trying to pour cold water. I think it's a really close game. I think this is almost a coin toss Saturday, but boy, there's a level of confidence that I'm like, oh man, some 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 of you are a little overconfident on this. It's still Alabama. It's still at Bryant Denny. Yeah, I, I um, I I don't see a way where Ole Miss goes in there and blows them out. I just I don't. Yeah. I think I think if you're Ole Miss, you you want it to be a close game. You just want to end up on the right side of it. Because I think if it gets away from somebody, I don't see it being that it gets away from Alabama. Defensively, I know you don't have film of it necessarily. I'm not asking for that, but just a scouting report on Alabama defensively. What what do they do well? Where are they vulnerable, if anywhere? Um, you know, I, they're not. I don't. I mean, they're missing. You know, we. SEC fans got real used to seeing Anderson and, and, you know, on the other side of the ball doing things and he's not there anymore. And, um, and, and that obviously you lose that kind of player. It makes it, it makes a difference, but um, I, they're not a bad football team by any means. They're not a bad defense by any means. I don't know if they're as explosive. Um, you know, my understanding of, of Nick Saban has always been, um, when you come to be a defense coordinator for Nick Saban, you run Nick Saban's defense, right? So if there was a change at some point, whether that was after spring in the summer, after game one, I don't know. I think that's interesting. Um, I I don't know if that's the truth, but Lane Kiffin certainly seems to imply that that it may be the case. Um, so what they're trying to do is not different. You know, they're they're going to be sound. The one thing I'll say is this, watching the Texas offense against the Alabama defense, because I I did watch it, Kiffin and Sarkeesian, there's so many things. They probably trade ideas. Like, literally, you know, they've obviously, they've been in the same scheme. I mean, they they run so much of the same stuff. But, like, I'm watching Texas run things against Alabama, and I'm like, oh, I remember Lane calling that to Elijah Moore the first year. I remember Alabama, you know, I remember almost trying to do this two years ago or whatever. Um, there were so many similarities in how they both choose to attack this Saban defense. Um, and, and even some of the other things, like, I mean, um, one of the schemes that Ole Miss really got to a lot late in the year last year, um, there's a huge touchdown against Texas A&M, if you remember, where they basically fake toss sweep into the boundary. Two outside receivers ran the post. Ole Miss had Jonathan Mingo is essentially a tight end off the ball, and he arced all the way around on the wheel route. Ole Miss hit him for a huge gain. Texas runs it against uh, against Alabama. You know, so there's so many ways where I do think, I think Kiffin and Sarkeesian both 
they 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 know what Nick wants to be defensively. They know how they they've seen it so much. They know how to prepare for it, right? Pete Golding can tell them what gives them problems. And they that's not a conversation they had on Monday. That's a conversation they probably had in April, you know, about what are some of the things that give you problems and that kind of stuff. And so I, I think that I think Ole Miss is going to have a good plan. I feel confident in saying that on both sides of the football. Ole Miss is going to have a plan. If they are healthy, if they can play fast enough, and if they can create enough big plays on each side of the ball, Ole Miss, it's going to be a great ball game. You know, um, that's going to be the challenge because again, like Alabama's offense, the defense isn't suddenly trash at Alabama. It's still Alabama. It's just not right now, maybe at the level that people expect it to be. Last thing, your opinion, what has been the struggle with getting Quinshine Judkins going? I mean, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe he was a little banged up on Saturday against Georgia Tech, but they're just not getting anything resembling kind of the explosive plays that you saw a year ago with him that got him going where he put up these massive numbers. And like I was asked today in Alabama, you know, give me a scenario where Ole Miss wins. And I I kept coming back to, well, they can't be just Jackson Dart running the football. It's that's, that's asking too much. I think. Um, Absolutely. And so so I said, it's gotta be Quinshawn. Or or Bentley or some, but somebody's got to go off, right? Got to get a hundred yards. Got to got to stress Alabama defensively. You 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 can't create a lot of third and long with even if everybody's back, right? You've been around football long enough. I mean, Zakari Franklin and and Caden Priestcorn haven't played in they haven't practiced much. They haven't played right. in a month. They're not going to come in and just be instant impact superstars. That's not realistic. So. You you you've got to get you got to get the running game going to take some pressure off that. Part part of it is the offensive line. I mean, we we looked at that right after Tulane. Um, those guys still kind of trying to find their space and trying to really still gel as an offensive line. I, I do think that that certainly plays a factor. I don't know. There was one I was looking at my notes to see if I had marked it, and I I didn't, or I would pull it up real quickly. There was one the other night against Tech where uh, the nose came free and somehow Judkins got under him and got away from him and spit. And it just happened to spit to the next guy, a safety that had folded in. And it was a three-yard run. I was like, holy hell, that was a hell of a run. And it's honestly the way a lot of his runs looked last year. The difference was that, that safety just wasn't there. Right. So, you know, the RPO game has to has to work for the Ole Miss run game to work. That's part of it, Um, that there's a reason that that they invest so heavily in that RPO game, because it alleviates so much of what they want to do. Their tempo has always played a role in their run game. They've got to get the tempo going. The O-line has to play better and they need a tight end that can be an effective player in the box. It's just, I you know. Who knows? I, I, I can't – I'm not going to speculate and tell you there's something going on before. Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. I do think he's been banged up. I mean, that's not a secret. Um, but there's just so many elements at play with how Ole Miss wants to try and run the football that that it's it's all got to come together at some point for him to see the results he had last year. 
Pete, as always, man, it's uh, always educational. Yeah, it was almost kind of sobering on the J- uh, Jalen Mil- Milrow part, but I've known that. Sorry. No, no, no. It's guys, people need to see it. I, I remember last season, the game that with him that sticks out that people don't ever talk about because the final score got lopsided. But if you remember, it was late third quarter. Bryce Young had gotten hurt in Fayetteville, and Arkansas was making a run. K.J. Jefferson was getting it going, and a blowout game suddenly was a one-score game. And the game went to the fourth quarter. Uh, Milrobe is third and I want to say 13, third and 14. They're backed up at their own 10, 11-yard line. Place is going crazy. They're starting to feel it. Hey, we got Alabama on the ropes, and they did. They had Alabama stumbling. And Milro takes kind of a broken play and runs 80 yards down to the one. They score. They get it back, score again. And again, it turned into a blowout. And Alabama played so many close games all year that those were the games that everybody talked about, Ole Miss and yep. Texas A&M, right, and, and those games. But he he saved them that day with his athleticism and his feet and his ability to outrun everybody. And, and then, you know, he beat Texas A&M as a starter. And I know that game came down to a final play and the focus was on Jimbo's play call and all of that, but he won that game. You know, I mean, it, it's it's not like he's the backup at Holmes Community College getting thrown in there saying, good luck, champ. Yeah, he, you know, he, I mean, he's not, he's not going to show up Saturday and win a Heisman Trophy, I don't think. Um, but he's going to miss. He's going to, he's going to, he misses. He does, right? I mean, the, every quarterback does. Um, but if he doesn't, he has flashed the ability to do a lot of good things. It's going to be for him and for that offense about how well do they protect him, how well can they run the ball to keep him out of long down and distant situations, and um, and and how how can he limit the misses. Um, and, and that's that's where they find success with him at quarterback. I'll be curious to see, you know, in my recollection, probably not since freaking Tyler Watts, has Alabama really said we're going to run the quarterback. That's who we are consistently. I don't know if that's who Nick wants to be. I don't know if that's who they're going to suddenly turn into. Could it possibly be the best version of them? Yes. Could they? Could their run game look very similar to Ole Miss at times in the way that they run the quarterback intentionally. They haven't necessarily shown that. They give him opportunities to read. There's not a lot of just designed, hey, we're about to run the ball with him, right? Um, so I'll be curious to see if they if they kind of employ any of that on Saturday. But um, I'm excited for the game. I think it's going to be fun. Should be a great one. Again, uh, thanks so much for your time. Again, thanks to uh, Riverland Roofing for uh, sponsoring this show. You can get in touch with them, text or call at 662-644-4297. They're licensed and insured. They service Mississippi and the surrounding states. So if you're uh, watching this, listening to this, you are probably uh, in that area. So give the people at Riverland a call when you need uh, any roofing inspection, a new roof, or a maintenance program for your current roof. Uh, Pete, as always, man, thanks very much. Look forward to uh, talking to you next week. We'll look back at Alabama and look ahead to LSU. It doesn't get any easier. LSU coming to Oxford next Saturday for a 5 p.m. game on ESPN. 
So until that time, that's it for our Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Riverland Roofing for Pete Deweese. I'm Neil McCready. Have a great weekend. Take care.